1 Peter 2, these words, it says, Who when he was reviled did not revile and return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but, notice this word, committed himself. Committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By his stripes you are healed. Then he goes on to say, For we, like sheep, have gone astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. But what I really wanted you to zone in on, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges rightly. When we understand that everything Christ has done, we started out this this series, we started out with just these statements and we began with the first one when with with that, that we noticed there was something going on here with the words of Christ Peter. These were not just haphazard things that he's saying from the cross. This was a plan from before the foundation of the world. This is a covenant between the Father and His Son. This is something going on. And these words, Jesus always said, I don't say anything of myself. Everything I say and do has to do with the will of God, the work of God, the plan of God. I only he tells me to do and what he tells me to say. So I know he's not getting on this cross now and just saying what he wants to say out of raw emotion. He is saying the words that the Father has spoken and fed him and that, 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 that he knows are profound and they are covenantal statements that he's making right here. And they're for us. And in the first one, we remember, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he was reaching all the way back into the garden, Dustin, all the way back to the original sin that Adam created or committed in that garden because he had to go back and he had to deal with the very first inception of sin. It had to be dealt with. It had to be forgiven. And so he goes all the way back. He's reaching back into the garden. He's saying, Father, the first thing I'm doing on this cross that we agreed to, I'm coming to fulfill your will and your plan. Your, Your will is redemption and the work of God is deliverance. I'm coming to deliver the people. So the first, and I'm in in the new covenant and so the first thing father I'm doing on this cross is I'm asking that you forgive all sin out of that sin came all the others and I'm going all the way back to the original and I'm asking you father forgive them they don't know what they do and then he said immediately a thief is having a conversation there on the cross with him and they're conversing back and forth and finally he looks to the savior Amber and he says hey will you remember me when you come into your kingdom and he's saying well now that forgiveness is done. Hey, my friend, today, right now, you shall be with me in paradise. Reconciliation to the Father. You are now a child of God. Amen? Because of the forgiveness of God, now you can have reconciliation with God. You don't have to wait till you die. Right now in this very moment, you will be with me in paradise. And that word paradise means Eden. It is into a garden, into that garden again, into that Eden-like place. You will be with me in paradise today reconciled to God and then he said woman behold thy son and we talked about why is he saying woman because he's not being disrespectful but he's reaching all the way back to Genesis 3 15 and he's saying hey out of the woman out of Eve is going to come another woman and another woman Rahab and we showed that line of women where it's going to come down through through the seed of a woman all the way till this 14 15 year old virgin named Mary has this, this, this redeemer inside of her. Now she, uh, the Holy Spirit is 
done something miraculous. And now, through the seed of the woman, He is going to redeem mankind. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. And He's going to bring deliverance for, for us. And that's exactly what He did. And what that's saying is, Hey, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Now there's forgiveness. Now you're placed back into an Edenic relationship. You're reconciled to God. And now, right here, I'm creating the family of God back in the garden again. Because we said there's no way. Because Jesus had brothers, stepbrothers, and, and sisters, so it would have broken the law for him to say, woman, behold, your son John, hey, you're supposed to go, you're supposed to, he, it would have been the other brothers that should have taken her into the family. But he's doing something here. He's establishing the, the family of God right there. And he's doing it now because the covenant is, is being enacted and he's fulfilling everything and he's fulfilling it all. And now we can come back to the family of God the way that it's meant to do and then we said there was that hour uh, uh, those hours of silence those first three statements come really quick and then there's these hours of darkness and Jesus arises from those hours of darkness and these next statements right here these next four he's quoting the scriptures he's pointing us back to the word of God what I'm telling you what I'm doing up here it is in the book it's in the word of God and when he quoted that scripture right there from Psalms 22 that hope passage is about the cross you can't find more cross than in that passage of scripture and he's saying to those people who were there look to my word and you'll see what's going on up on this cross your redemption is being paid for and God is not forsaking me on this cross he's never turning his head from me just like he won't turn his head from you Peter when you denied me, he will not turn his face from you. And Jesus looks right at the face of Peter and never turns his face from Peter when Peter fails. And God will never turn his face on his son. In fact, you read down on in the Psalms and he says, I won't turn from you. I will not. So he's quoting the Psalms. He's quoting the book. He's wanting you to go into the side of the pages to see exactly is what is happening in your redemption. The next one he quotes is, I thirst. It's also in the Psalms. And he's saying, I'm thirsty. The thirst of God is for your righteousness. I'm establishing your righteousness on this cross. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. When you believe God, you are the righteousness of God. Amen. In Christ Jesus. It's about your righteousness. And then last week we talked about he cried out. When all the covenant is done, when everything is done, when the work is finished, to the less time. It's the word they would have used when you stamp paid in full. It's finished. It's the word when the job's done. They would have cried out. It's the word when, you know, that was used so often in that society. It means nothing left to do. It's done. It's paid in full. The covenant is completed. Father, everything you've asked me to do, the work of God, the will of God, it's all done. And he cries on that cross, it is finished, paid in full. There's nothing the human race has to do to please God. There's nothing you can do to buy your salvation and your redemption. I've done it all. It's finished. It's paid in full, Father. And now, John 17, all these that are mine that I've done this for, bring them with me that where I am, they are also. Amen? And that brings us to the last one. Because why didn't he finish there? 
And then he just finished with that one. Because this next one is so, so powerful. Not only does he, not only is he the covenant, but he's the first one to taste of the covenant to see if it works. He's the firstborn of the brethren. He's, he's the one who, who is, 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 is the second Adam. And so now we're going to see if what everything's done by the Father, will this work? And this last one's going to require a response. All those leading up to right now to where this last statement for you and me requires a faith response. It requires something on our part to believe the covenant. And that's where he brings us to today. That he brings us to this place. These words, as I said, they're choreographed. They're not random statements. They are put there by the Father and the Son. And they're absolutely amazing. They're absolutely profound. And this last quote comes from Psalms 31 verse 5. And it's written by David. And it's about the deliverance of God. And you're going to see why God, why, why Jesus knows this psalm. And why he chooses this psalm to quote from that cross. Because he sees something. He knows something about the heart of David. He knows about this psalm. is about deliverance from God when you are in a dire situation. He knows that when you're in a dire situation. And, and all, the, all the commentaries and all the people, they tell us all kinds of things about this particular psalm. There's, there's debate that some people say David uh, is in a... We know he's in a dire circumstance. We know that he's having some of the worst troubles that somebody can have. And we know that, number one, it could be he's fleeing from King Saul because he fled from King Saul all the time. And we know that was a dire consequence and circumstance that he was in. There's uh, other people say uh, that he could be fighting against the Philistines uh, at Keilah. That's another time in David's life when he was in dire circumstances. And then there's another group of scholars that say, well, it may have been when Absalom, when he when Absalom had declared himself as king, that was a problem and a troubled time for David. It really doesn't matter because all we know is David's look, that his life is precarious. We know this psalm was penned, and we know he writes down, and when he comes to verse 5, he, he, he says, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Now, David pins this, and we're going to see in a minute that the children of Israel pray this, and it's up to us that we can live this. So, so, so David pins it. The, the children of Israel, we're going to see this was their morning prayer, and we're going to see for us, or their evening prayer, and for us, we're going to see that we have the choice to make a decision to live this. So, so why does he reach into this psalm for the last uh, psalm, Joe? Why, why does Jesus take Psalm 31? back into the scriptures and this be the last statement that he makes from the cross. Why this psalm? Why this scripture? Why is he just doing this? Remember, we're not out random statements here. And so whether it's a Philistine, whether it's Saul, whether it's Absalom, David's circumstances are terrible. Well, Jesus' circumstances are surely dire. He's up here on the cross and he is uh, literally at the last seconds of breath and the last seconds of life. In fact, when he makes that statement, it is finished I mean it's over he's dying next that's it he laying he's nobody's taking his life from him he chooses when and right here he's about to give up the ghost and lay down his life so he's come to this place and now he reaches back into the book and he quotes them rabbis would have known it Pharisees 
standing there would have known it. They would have known these scriptures. We've talked about some of these scriptures. It's just like me quoting, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Where is that found? John 3.16 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Psalms 23. Right? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalms And these people standing there at the cross hear these words. They don't have chapter and verse, but they know these statements. They know these statements. They know, hey, he's he's reaching into the Scriptures and he's quoting the Scriptures now. And that's exactly what he's doing. It's taking them back into the book and saying, hey, this was written here. Your redemption story was written here from before the foundation of the world. God planned this out and you're just seeing it right now unfolding. This is what you're watching right here. There's 50 plus chapters that are given, especially in Leviticus and other places, to the temple, the sacrifices, blood being shed. It's all through the Word of God. And so now David is coming to a place and he's saying, there is a God in heaven. My situation is dire. And there is a God in heaven that can deliver me. I know there's a God in heaven that can deliver me. He is great and I can trust Him. So God, no matter what my situation is, is right now into my into your hands I commit my entire life amen and so Jesus is now reaching back to these words and he has completed the covenant it's signed sealed and delivered father everything you've ever asked me to do I've now done it is finished and now he's got to be the first partaker he's going to taste because you got to taste and see if it works And so now he's going to taste the covenant on our behalf. Father, I'm in a dire situation. It doesn't matter how dire my life gets. It doesn't matter how dire mankind's. It doesn't matter how many times Caleb falls. And, and because redemption is paid for. And if he'll come to me, he, all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. So Father, here I am. And when humanity is in dire situation, into our hands we commend our spirits. We can trust you, God, no matter how. You are a delivering God. It's the same conversation we saw up there on the mountain of transfiguration. He's there. He's there in all of his glory. And who's with him? Elijah and Moses. And they're talking about the great deliverance. They're talking about his decease. But the word really is not translated as accurate as it should be. Because it really should say his exodus. They're really not talking as much about the death as they're talking about the deliverance. He's talking with Moses who led about a 1.5 million to 3 million people out and he's saying, Jesus, your exodus is going to be greater because when you come to the cross and you deliver mankind, it's not going to be 1.5 million Jews coming out. You're going to deliver millions upon millions upon millions upon millions who put their trust in you. And Elijah... He's caught up in this great chariot, this whirlwind of fire. The power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to do it by my spirit, by the power of God. You're going to cause a great deliverance of people throughout the ages. And you're going to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're talking about his exodus. They're talking about his decease. And then, we, so, so there's this awesome, awesome thing that he's showing us there. And, and, and so now Jesus is up there. Into your hands, I commit everything. David commits himself to the Lord. And the reason he says why I commit myself to the Lord, if you notice, because he has redeemed me. 
What is Jesus doing on the cross? He's redeeming mankind. It's the, word, it's the will of God. That's what he's doing. And Jesus pulls this scripture out because redemption is attached to it. This is what I'm doing for you right now. You can trust God. You can trust God with your redemption. You can trust God with your deliverance. You can trust God no matter what kind of dire circumstance you are, are in. Because he's a delivering God. He's a faithful God. He's a trustworthy God. So you can put your faith and your trust in him and everything of your life in his hands. Amen. And so David knew this. He knew that because he's redeemed me, David knew there were, uh, there were all these chapters in the Old Testament about the delivering power of God, about the redemption of God. I can commit my life to him because he's redeemed me by his blood. No matter the circumstances, if I fall tomorrow, his blood is sufficient. His blood cries out for me. They knew that. They knew that when they slayed that little innocent lamb and they put the blood on the altar, that for the next year, even if I stumble, the blood has covered me if they would put their faith back in the blood I'm covered I'm forgiven the blood for where and then the next year we'll do it again and I'll be covered again and I'll be covered again they put their faith in the blood and Jesus Christ the Bible says ever lives to make intercession for us not only does he cry out on our behalf but his blood cries out on our behalf I shed my blood for bread. But God, what about the pornography? But God, what about the failure? I shed my blood cries out for Him. We're free because the blood was shed. And, and, and so David knows that. And that's why he cries, Father, into your hands I can commit my spirit now. You're my deliverer. Not only that, but secondly, the evening prayer. The, 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 the Jews picked up on this psalm, and Josephus tells us that in Psalms 31 and 5, that in many homes this became the evening prayer. And listen to what they would do. It became even the meal had been eaten, the dishes had been washed, the homework has been done, and now it's time to get ready for bed, it's time to sleep. And, and they would read this psalm to their children or pray this psalm to their children right before they're going to lay down and go to sleep and have to allow God to look over them and deliver them. And now they would say, God, into your hands we commit our spirit. Everything's done. The chores are done. Everything's done. So now we're going to rest. We're going to go to sleep tonight. And at the evening prayer, they would begin to recite this. And they would say, now into your hands we commit our spirit. Jesus is on that cross. He's finished the work. His chores are done. The work of God is done. Everything's done. There's not one more thing to do. Father, I'm about to rest and I'm going to rest in your deliverance. I'm going to rest in your hands. So, Father, I'm about to go to sleep into your hands. I commit my spirit. He's closing out his work and he prays the evening prayer here. And God wants you to see that in the depths of this book, that's when he keeps taking us back in these last scriptures to the book, to the scriptures. 
And he's saying you're forgiven, number one. You're reconciled to God, number statement. Number two, you're children of God in statement number three. You're, you can stand upon the word of God in statement number four. Your, your righteousness is in him in statement number five. The covenant is done in statement number six. And now there's no more work to do other than to believe that you can commit everything into the hands of God. In 1994, my circumstances were dire. There was nothing left that Brad could do. I couldn't buy my way out. I couldn't promise my way out. I couldn't clean myself up enough until I came to the place to recognize He's redeemed me. He's a good God. Father, into your hands I want to put my life. Amen? Amen. And so Jesus is there and He's saying if everything has been done he said, if this is good, then I'll be the first partaker of the covenant. And if this is good, then this is good for you, Caleb. And if this works, this works for you, Daniel. And if I place my life in his hands, and I come out of that grave, and he receives this, then it guarantees your eternity and your eternal life in heaven. It guarantees that there's a new way to God. It guarantees now that we don't have to go perform the law and all the Old Testament things. That that's vanishing away. There's a new covenant that's being established. And now, not only do we not have to try to get to God, now the veil is rent and God comes to us. And so... If he's accepted by God and he comes out alive, then we know our sins are covered. Jesus now stands as the Lamb of God on that cross. He now has shed his blood. If God raises him up into a new life, then it's evidence that we, you and I, can now trust our lives to him and we go into eternity as well. And it guarantees that we will never die. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. If this works, if God accepts this, if he comes out of the grave then you and I have a new covenant and we're sealed with the blood and we have eternal life and the Holy Spirit is our guarantor guarantee our, our inheritance into the kingdom and family of God and we're back reconciled to God and we're back in a spiritual Eden and we're back in the presence of God the power of God the protection of God the provision of God all the time See, what broke fellowship with God? It was Adam's disobedience, right? Eat the tree and you die. He didn't believe that because if he had put his trust and belief in that, he would still be living. It's called unbelief. That's the root. It's the root there. Adam had unbelief going on in his heart. He didn't believe God. He didn't believe the Word of God. He didn't hold tight to the Word of God. He didn't keep it, protect it, tend it. And because of it, God did what He said He would do. You'll die. And so now the second Adam has brought us back into a right relationship. He's done forgiveness. He's done reconciliation. He's brought us into the family of God. He's enacted the covenant. He's yielding his life. And now if God raises him from the dead, if he accepts the spotless lamb of God, then we are in good shape, folks. We're, this is good news. We are coming out of the grave in life and power. 
And so if we believe we're in right standing with God and all that's happened, then we also must believe that he's given this to us. Do you hear me? There's a response on your part to all these statements and to this covenant. If he's bought back your righteousness and he's done all that reconciliation, and he's done all that for you and for me, then you have to act upon it in faith. You, you have to believe him. You have to put your trust in him. You, you, have to, you have to believe what he's given us and believe what he's done. And if we are brought into right standing, then, then we're still under the obligation to believe. And if we believe, that means life. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 5 through 6 says. He has made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our sins, he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells or lives in you, then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or give life to your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells or lives in you. And I close with John 17. We come down to the place where, where uh, we move to the place where we accept Christ like David did. And we come to the place where we cry out, I commit my life. If all these things are true, if what these seven weeks this preacher has been preaching about, if you bought forgiveness, if you bought reconciliation to God, if you bought family of God, if you bought righteousness, if, you, if God will never turn his face from me, if, 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 you, if you thirsted for righteousness, if, if, if you committed and completed the covenant, if all these things are true, then you're looking for me, one response from me. That whoever believes in Him should not perish. For it is by grace that you are saved. Through faith. I'm talking about unre- Jesus had unrelenting faith. God, I'm a wretch in an apartment room in 1994. If you would have this wretch... I've hurt my wife. I've done horror. I've stolen. I've done terrible things. I thought I was a good person while I was in church. I boasted about I'm not as bad as this one and I'm not as bad as that one. But God, I'm worse than them all. I'm a Hitler if you don't stop. God, there's nothing else to hide or hold back from you. If you would have me, if what your book says is true, then my goodness, into your hands, into your hands, I commit my life, commit my marriage, commit my my, my job. If you send me to China, you'll be with me. If you send me to Africa in my life now, you'll be with me. If you send me to Moldova, you'll be with me. If you send me to Brookside and keep me there, you'll be with me. No matter where you take me or what you do, you're with me now. Your presence is with me. Your power is with me. Your provision is with me. You'll be with me. Folks, it's an act of believing that he's looking for now. Knowing these things, are you willing now to put your faith and trust in the Son of God, in the finished work of the cross, in the finished work of God? Turn with me to John 16, and this will be it right here. John 16, 13, 15. And and go to my next slide. And we're going to read this. Oh, I didn't know you had it up there. Awesome. 
Go back to that one real quick. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth has come. Because see, now the redeemed Christ is in heaven. Because see, if, if that lamb goes into, if that high priest goes into the holy of holies, and that lamb has been spotted, he might not come out of there. Jesus is now in the ground. And if this lamb is spotted, he ain't coming out. And so one day passes, and two days passes, and three days pass. And the Father can't wait because he is spotless. And he is perfect. And everything of the covenant has been done. And he can't wait to snatch him out of the ground for you and I. And he does. And now the redeemed Lamb of God is sitting in heaven, offered his blood in the eternal tabernacle. And now he has this covenant. He and the covenant sit in heaven completed. And now he says, Hey, Father, will you give everything that needs to be given to my people since I've done what I was supposed to do? Will you do for my people what I, not just the ones that are here with me now, but even the ones in 2021 in Brookside Church of God, will you give them everything I've obtained? It's all in the covenant. It's a whole package. It's a gift. Will you now give it to them? Yes, I will. Okay, then. I'm going to send my spirit with this gift, and he's going to give it to them. He's going to give it to millions upon millions upon millions upon millions who will receive that gift, and when they get the covenant, they they get it all. Forgiveness, reconciliation, righteousness. They get all of this covenant. Everything that I bought. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth for He will not speak of Himself. We've heard that before. He'll speak whatever He shall hear of Jesus. That shall He speak and that will He show you. He will show you these things to come. Now go to the next slide. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, shall show it to you. All things, say it with me, all things. Everything in the covenant. Everything in the new covenant. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and he shall show it to you. Go to the next slide. Go to the next slide. So, 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 so there, that's what he bought us. Number one, we, we, we close this series out. Forgiveness. Unhindered fellowship. With the Father, we're born from above. The Jerusalem, which is above, we're now born from. Righteousness is there. He's establishing, uh, pointing you back to the Word. You can stand on my Word. He completes the covenant, and you come into the covenant by faith. And then go to the next slide, and this is it. Next slide. And next slide. Yeah. And, and, and so we started out. In the original thing, just for a picture to leave you in your mind, in the original garden, we had God put him there. He had his presence. He had his power. He had his provision. He was in the covenant. He sins. Go to the next slide. Isaiah 42 and 6, God basically tells Jesus, you're going to be the covenant. I delight to do your will, O God. He wouldn't do it. I will do it. I delight to do the whole will of God. I will do it. And we see that he goes outside of the garden. We see that, uh, that, that, that uh, Jesus comes down as a man. He comes down. He's going to do the will of God. According to Isaiah 42, 6, they, they formed that before the foundation of the world. He's going to keep his end of the bargain with the Father. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to pay for the sins of mankind. He's going to be buried in the tomb, the Bible says, and then go to the next 
next slide. He's going to be resurrected where he's seated on high, high above every principality and power and name that can ever be named. He's got the covenant with him. And now he chooses that everything's in the gift box. Everything that he's obtained for us on the cross is available to you and to me. He tells the Holy Spirit, I want you to take it down to them. And I want you to take everything that's mine. And I want you to take it down to the millions and millions and millions of people that will believe on me down through the ages. I want you to put it into their hearts. And I want to establish this forever. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you, God, that now we have a deeper foundation, God, of of covenant theology. We went through seven covenants, God, that all led. Some of them were man covenants with God, and every one of them we failed. But they were all pointing to the perfect one that was going to come and establish the new covenant for us. And God, you were going to bring a new way for us to be able to come to God and to be saved, to be born again, to be delivered. The greatest deliverance of mankind through the power of the Holy Spirit was going to come to planet Earth. And God, you finished the work, the will and the plan of God on that cross. You cried, it is finished. And then you showed us and became the first partaker of it by saying, God, now surrender into your hands. I commit myself. And oh God, you accepted this payment because three days later, you raised this perfect lamb of God from the dead. Seated him high in heaven. And there he has attained our eternal redemption. And all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are born again. They're saved. They're redeemed. They're forgiven. Old things are passed away and behold, everything becomes new. And Lord, we're so grateful for this, God. And we would be just absolutely the most foolish people on the planet to neglect this great salvation. Hebrews calls it a great salvation. And oh, we're foolish if we pass this up. Foolish. Darkened in our minds by the evil one. There is but one way to God. And there is but one mediator between man and God, and that is the man Christ Jesus who gave himself and offered himself up for our sins. Not many ways, not any religion gets us there. Only one way, through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. He is God. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to play a song, and if you need salvation today, the greatest thing you can do is take these seven statements. And say, I've heard these cries from this cross that were not random, paying for the redemption and the deliverance of mankind. And now I'm going to follow by putting my faith. I know where I'm at. Like David, my life's in dire circumstances. I'm fearful. We're facing corona. We're facing things in our family. We're facing job situations, economy situations, war in the Middle East, war threatening our own all, everywhere, and, and, and our situations are dire. But David said, no matter what, you can trust God with your deliverance. And this is why. And so all who put their trust in God will never be put to shame. So if you want to put your faith 
in the finished work of something that's steadfast, unshakable, unmoving, all, uh, secure. This is the place that will last. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. If you want to be sure of eternal life, you want to be sure that you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to be sure while the kingdoms of this world are collapsing, while the governments are collapsing, what the nations are collapsing, we don't know where if America will even be here in the next few years. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Kingdoms come, kingdoms go. One rises, one falls, God says. But I can tell you this, there's something that is secure and eternal, and that's his word, that's his promise. That's his kingdom. Get into the spiritual kingdom of God and rest in that. So we're going to play some music. We're going to worship God. And if you don't come for that, just thank him for the covenant and thank him for eternal life and thank him for what he did on the cross. So let's worship him and let's just worship. You can come for prayer. You can come for salvation. You can come for whatever you need in this altar. It's available in the covenant now and it's yours and the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you and make it yours. Go ahead, guys. Let's play. Hallelujah.